0: Welcome to Team Pete's Talks, a podcast series brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners, NAPNAP, featuring experts and stakeholders addressing key issues in pediatric health. Throughout 2023, NAPNAP is celebrating our 50th anniversary and our place in history as the first National Nurse Practitioner Society. As part of our anniversary celebration themed 50 Forward, we are thrilled to share this new Team PEDS Talks podcast series, 50 Forward forging our future. Join us as we look back at some highlights of our profession and as we look forward to the future of pediatric nurse practitioners. This special series is hosted by myself, Dr. Jessica Peck. I am a clinical professor of nursing at Baylor University, past president of NAPNAP, and mom of four. And I am joined by my amazing co-host, Dr. Tidra Smith. Tidra, introduce yourself. I am delighted to be here. I'm Dr. Tetra Smith, a certified pediatric nurse practitioner. I'm an associate professor at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I am a mom of two and I'm delighted to be a part of our series. Welcome to this episode of Team Peds Talks. I am so excited about the guests that we have lined up for today. We're going to talk about some things that maybe you're thinking about going back to school. Maybe you've just been back through school and we're going to talk about all things, the future of pediatric nurse practitioner students. Now, I have to tell you that I graduated as a pediatric nurse practitioner in 2002 in the state of Texas, and shortly after that, my program closed, and actually every program in Texas closed, and now we're seeing a resurgence of interest in pediatric nurse practitioner programs. So I'm really glad to be part of a new program in Texas, in Dallas, actually at Baylor University, And you are going to get to meet with some of my students today. I'm so super excited. So we have Melissa Catron and the newly appointed, crowned Dr. Allison Bray. So welcome all three of you to Team PEDS Talks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Well, let's just, I want to start with you introducing yourselves. So, Katrin, let's start with you. Just tell our listeners a little bit about you and your nursing journey and background, and what made you decide to take that big scary leap of faith and to become a pediatric nurse practitioner?
1: Yeah. So, I um, have been a NICU nurse since, for I guess, about the last eight years. I graduated from Baylor University. University's um, BSN program. And I thought I always wanted to be a neonatal nurse practitioner, and then kind of thought more about where I wanted my career to go, and how I wanted to care for NICU graduates in their future um, from zero to 18. And neonatal nurse practitioners can only care for them until they're two. So that kind of Got me thinking more and more about pediatric nurse practitioner school. Um, and I thought for sure I'd only want to do acute, but um, I'm in the dual program currently. But I've fallen in love with the primary care side of things and really following kiddos from zero to 22 sometimes and um, experiencing that. So I have really enjoyed the primary care portion. And we'll see about the acute care portion.
0: <laughs> that's something I'm hearing a lot of when you're in school. It just feels like it's going to be forever and ever and ever. And then all of a sudden you're done and you're like me. And I think, my gosh, I graduated 10 years ago with my turnkey. Yeah. How could that be? <laughs> well, Melissa, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us about you?
2: Absolutely. So I'm Melissa. I live in Houston. Um, I have worked in Texas Children's Hospital pediatric ICU for six years now, Um, I always kind of like Ketron knew that I wanted to do something beyond bedside nursing. Uh, Actually, before I became a bedside nurse, I studied public health and had a lot of really wonderful global healthcare experiences that led me to kind of understand that nursing was the bedrock of healthcare all around the world, which is why I ended up going into nursing in the first place. Uh, And then as I was a bedside nurse, I loved that, but I just felt like I wanted to be able to make a a broader, a greater difference in a larger number of patients' lives than just the handful you have as a bedside nurse. Uh, And I really enjoyed the uh, mental aspect of bedside nursing more than just the day-to-day physicality of it. So I decided I would go ahead and go back for pediatric nurse practitioner with Baylor and I am in the dual primary care acute care program as well, planning to
0: go all the way through. And we are so glad that you are. So, Melissa, I have to tell all of the listeners and dish on you a little bit. <laughs> we actually met before you started coming to school. And let me tell you, you had the most impressive spreadsheet of schools across the country analyzing like what was going to be the best program for you. And you just knocked my socks off from the first time that I met you. And I'm so happy that you chose Baylor. I am, too. Yeah, that was my first introduction to primary care. After being in the PICU. So that was a great experience. Well, we're going to come back to that and talk a little bit more about that transition because that could be tough. But an even tougher transition is going from that postmaster's to the doctoral level. So, now Dr. Bray with your DNP now you mm-hmm. were already a pediatric nurse practitioner and decided to get a post masters in your DNP. Now, some of some of the listeners out there are cheering saying yes do that. Some of them are saying, mm-hmm. "Oh my gosh, I'm never going to do that ever." <laughs> Please don't say anything <laughs> remotely compelling because I don't want to go back to school. What, tell <laughs> us about your nursing journey and what made you decide go, to go back to school.
3: Okay. Uh, yes, Dr. Peck, that makes me laugh because I was actually one of those people who said, I have my master's. I am a nurse practitioner. I am good. I do not need the DNP. Well, I ended up eating my words and I'm so happy that I did because making a choice to get the DNP has been, of my four degrees, the greatest uh, choice that I've made when it comes to my career. I've been in uh, healthcare since... Oh, gosh. I, I graduated from Baylor School of Nursing uh, with my BSN in 2004. That was actually my second degree. My first degree bachelor's is in education. So you can see education and nursing are, are definitely going together here. And it was a trend for me. Um, I worked in pediatrics. I've always been a pediatric nurse. Um what really gave me the push to go back and get that master's and uh, be a nurse practitioner was I was a school nurse in uh, Dallas ISD. And I thought, well, I'm running my own clinic here. I should get to be more independent. So um, at the time uh, this was, I finished in 2009 and the DNP programs weren't as well known or at least not in my area. Uh, so I went for the master's. What gave me, um, What changed things for me to go for the DNP was thinking about becoming, back to the education part, um, a full-time faculty member in a nursing program. So that was my goal, going back to get my DNP. I wanted to focus on the academic part um, of the DNP. I've learned so much along the way. And again, it's been the most rewarding part, I think, in my career. Well, you... (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm so and I'm so glad that you are because now you've gone from being student to colleague, which is what we love to do in this profession. and
3: That's you're right, right
0: because even when the DNP was first around, I, I graduated with mine in 2010 and there were actually mm-hmm. no programs in Texas at that time, which is why right. I, I went to the University of Alabama because there wasn't even any education here. And you know, mm-hmm. it's so great to hear all of your backgrounds because we have NICU, we have PICU, we have school nurses, which is just proof you can reinvent yourself a million different ways in nursing. But Katrin, I wanna come back to you and ask you, what do you think has been the biggest challenge that you faced as a student? What do you think has been you know, one of the hardest things? Maybe something you saw coming, maybe something you didn't see coming. What do you think you've, you've struggled with and how have you, how have you dealt with that?
1: Yeah, I think there might be a couple things. Um, a big one for me was definitely the transition from thinking um, like an ICU nurse and especially in a NICU to transitioning and starting the primary care um, thought process <laughs> a little bit more. Um, and then I think just that transition back into um, school and writing. Um, and kind of getting your feet back under you can be more difficult than
0: we all think about. <laughs> that That is so true. So says the professor who makes all of the assignments, right? But what, what advice would you have for students who maybe think, oh, yeah, I, I'm a little scared of that. Like, I'm a little scared of transitioning out of my comfort zone, that whole novice to expert thing, or maybe I really don't want to write papers. What advice would you have for them?
1: I think just being open with your professors and being in constant communication can really help with that. Um, I think Dr. Peck would agree that I emailed her a lot the first semester I had her um, and just asked questions. (laughs) I'll never tell, (laughs) I'll never tell. (laughs) Um, But just asking lots of questions and being open to learning and taking constructive um,
0: feedback um, really was helpful for me. Melissa, what about you? What has been your biggest struggle?
2: I would have to agree with Katrin on just getting back into the swing of school. That was definitely difficult. Um, and I agree with the communication aspect of that. I think another challenge that a lot of us, well, all of us here have faced is we are in the, the pandemic era of schooling, of bedside of nurse practitionership. And that brought a lot of challenges with preceptors, with just trying to figure life out while all that was going on. And I think uh, the biggest thing that's helped me personally is my connection with my classmates and my peers, Um, whether that be in Baylor or my coworkers um, or just nurse practitioner students at other universities, just being in contact, having people to kind of talk through these things we're going through. Uh, get advice from and just kind of bolster each other. That community has meant a lot to me and being involved with NAPNAP and the Ambassador Program
0: has helped with that as well. Well, that is such a great transition. Allison, I'm going to come back to you with that same question in just a minute. But before we leave you two, let's talk about the ambassador program, because there are a lot of listeners who maybe think, I have no idea what this is. What is the student ambassador program? So, Melissa, why don't you start us off and just tell us what is the program and how did you become involved?
2: Absolutely. So the NAPNAP student ambassador program, uh, Keetra and I are both ambassadors for Baylor um, each school can have one to two ambassadors. We have the dual track, so we have two. And really your goal is just to be a member who is reaching out to other students, letting them know about the benefits of being a student member at NAPNAP, um, connecting them with their local chapters, their resources, trying to get them involved with the conference, and then just having that, uh, again, that community amongst yourselves and that connection to other people within that organization um, to help you along as well.
0: Well, Katrin, what has your experience been? What have you gotten out of being a NAPNAP student ambassador?
2: I think for
1: me being a student ambassador, I've been able to make those connections like Melissa was talking about. We meet like once a semester with other student ambassadors across the country um, and are able to kind of talk about our experiences as student ambassadors. We have the opportunity to attend conference um, And just kind of share those experiences with other students and encourage students to network and get involved. That's been a really positive thing for me to do.
0: Now, you know, a lot of students who may be listening may think, you know, I am paying for tuition right now and I'm not able to work as much because I'm going to school and that's a financial investment. What would you say to that, either of you? How would you answer that? How do you think that it's an investment that's worthwhile that has helped launch you into this new phase in your career?
2: I would say it is an expense, but it is a really valuable um, thing to get involved with. I have met half of my preceptors through NAPNAP so far. The Houston chapter is very active. Um, I also got a Houston scholarship through NAPNAP that offset the cost of my membership. I know Catron also got a a different scholarship uh, from NAPNAP as well. Um, And just that connection and kind of opening your eyes to Who's out there, what you can do with your career has been invaluable to me um, with getting to go to the conference last year and getting to be
0: involved with the Houston chapter of NAPNAP. That's awesome. Allison, let's bring you into this because sometimes, you know, when you have the same, it's the same issues and pressures when you're going back yeah. to school and you think, mm-hmm. oh, maybe I'll just pick up that membership later. What has NAPNAP mm-hmm. nap meant to you while you've been a student? Because I, I know behind the scenes, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. the education, but I'll just let you tell the story.
3: Okay. Um, You know, as a a student, um, when I was a student the first time in the master's program, I made it a priority to be a student member of NAPNAP. And like the ladies that have just spoken, I found a lot of great connections, a lot of preceptors going through school at that time. So NAPNAP plus I was, you know, this was pre-pandemic, way pre-pandemic, so we did a lot of in-person dinners, and it was just really fun to network and learn a lot outside of the classroom, you know, um, hear a lot of real-life stories and things like that. So it's very valuable. Then, you know, as I was working, I'll have to admit, I I kind of wasn't as involved in NAPNAP. but then once I got into the doctoral program, I, you know... Um, reinvested in nap nap and it's been extremely valuable. Um, I also, you know, went to a conference um, back last year, and I plan to go this year. I can't wait for it in Orlando. Um, And I was able to attend so many, thanks to Dr. Peck's help, she helped me pick out the different sessions (laughs) that were geared, geared toward education and the academic track. So it just went hand in hand with my goals of becoming a DNP prepared nurse practitioner.
0: It did. And I'm so glad that mm-hmm. you brought that up because there's so many different, really mini tracks that you could create for mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. and you were focused on education and we were able to do all of those things, which is mm-hmm. so great. And I can't even imagine how many hours you logged on CE, but you have access <laughs> to, I mean, you—I yes. tell, I tell you this as students, right? You have access yes. to the best educators in our profession. When you go to you the do. session, you think, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, that that's Terry. Woo. She wrote my pharmacology yes. textbook, you know, Yeah, so those things yes. are all, all great. Well, Katrin, let's go back over to you. Tell us about your experience. I know you went to your first national conference in Dallas last year. Tell us how that went. What surprised you? What did you enjoy the most about it?
1: I think what surprised me the most was the transition back into in-person conferences. Um, and it was It was really cool to see how NAPNAP transitioned, because I know things were virtual for a while. But just watching that transition and seeing everybody come together, even though it was a smaller group last year, was really neat. And being able to just meet professors from all over the country um, who are (laughs) now my great mentors, like Dr. Kelly. um, was just really neat to meet those people in person and go from there and form those relationships.
0: Um, And I'm telling you, uh, that's Dr. Michelle Kelly uh, up at, uh, out of the DelVal chapter. And she's going to love that. She got a shout out here. She's one of our (laughs) dual PNP NPs. And uh, I, I, you're so right. And it was so exciting to be back together in person because I think as a profession, we are facing unprecedented challenges you know that the current president dr sani and i have been conducting research on the impact of covid-19 on pediatric aprns and unfortunately you know the national narrative just adopted this thought that oh no people aren't uh, infected at all and your pediatrics kids aren't impacted so you shouldn't be impacted but we know that nps are facing burnout and exhaustion and discouragement over responding to misinformation and rising mental health crisis and there is I mean, if you look across the landscape of pediatrics, it's pretty scary looking at the American Academy of Pediatrics declaring a national mental health emergency. I mean, we could go on and on. So Melissa and Katrin, and and I'll start with you, Melissa, I want to know what hope do you have in your profession as you're just starting out and you're looking at these challenges and can you speak to those people who are with you, who are just starting out and who will be taking on the future of the pediatric nurse practitioner profession? What hope do you find in, in moving forward?
2: I, I have to say, I think this is a, like you said, it's a cliche word, but unprecedented what we're going through. And I think going back to the communication that we were talking about Connecting with the others who are just starting out in this journey with us and being mentored by people who have more experience, I think, is what's going to get us through and help us uh, tackle these challenges we're facing. Um, So my hope is that as a profession, as new PNPs, that we keep that connection, we keep that network, and we work together um, to advocate for our profession, to advocate for our patients.
0: You know, I think that's such a great answer and something that is so true about our profession. We are always about the kids. It always come back, comes back to the kids. It doesn't matter if we're talking budget or policy or protocol or pathophysiology or anything. It always comes back to child health, so I love that. Katrin, where do you find hope for the future of your profession? I
1: think I find hope through seeing how many um, nurses are going back to Pediatric Nurse Practitioner School um, in this time. It's been such a difficult time for everyone like we've been saying and seeing everyone come together and thinking of different ways they can expand their careers and take care of these kiddos in different ways has been really neat to see and I just think watching our career and everything grow is going to be really neat
0: in the next 10 to 15, 20 years. I agree. Allison, what about you? You know, you have a little bit of a different perspective and you've been practicing for a while. You've seen these changes. What hope do you have for the future of our profession as a newly graduated student?
3: I have hope that, you know, the compassion will still remain for our future generation. You know, the kids, because as you said, that's what we're all about, and I think as we move forward past these pandemic times, um, my hope is that it's drawn everyone closer, um, more interdisciplinary um, collaboration, hopefully. Um, you know, when I started out, we didn't do electronic medical records even, you know, we were still doing the, the paper folders, and I've seen so much change just and being able to collaborate now that, you know, we can share um, information with our, you know, about our patients. And so I just hope that that continues to um, be part of how we take care of the children.
0: And, you know, Allison, your project, your DMP project that you did was about COVID-19 vaccination, you know, something that Mm -hmm. is Very non controversial and not (laughs) difficult at all, right? (laughs) And someplace where you can think, you know, it can be really hard. But man, you tackled that head on. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about your project? Just give us, you know, your project in a nutshell.
3: Sure. Okay. Well, ex- this is exciting. I will actually be presenting my poster presentation at uh, NAPNAP in Orlando at the conference. So um, I'm Yay! To that's about amazing. It. <laughs> Great. Give, it, give us a preview.
0: Yes. Give us a
3: preview. <laughs> okay. The title of it was Improving COVID-19 Vaccination Compliance in Pediatric Primary Care. So the pediatric primary care clinic where I work, um, I spoke with the other providers and we decided that this was, we were at about 10% compliance. And we thought, you know, um, we can do better than that. And so I took a deep dive into the literature and and kind of seeing, reading all about vaccine hesitancy and you know, what it really takes to get your patients to um, understand because for us, this was really a huge education project. So what I did is I surveyed uh, parents as they came in for their well child checkups with their children and asked them, you know, um, are we thinking about the COVID-19 vaccine today? Um, What are our thoughts on this? And then um, I used a little informational pamphlet for them to look at, and so I would ask them if they would look at that, and then they watched a short little American Academy of Pediatrics video in the room, and it was cute. It was kind of cartoonish about uh, COVID nineteen vaccines and how they don't get give you COVID nineteen. You know, I think that was a we learned that that that's the biggest thing that parents learned was that the COVID it doesn't include. The COVID the COVID virus (laughs) in the vaccine. So again, it was just all about education, and we did end up uh, increasing just in that short summer months that I implemented it. We increased it about twenty percent. So that was we were happy with that. We were happy with that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And you know, I Mm -hmm. think that's one
0: of the best parts of the DNP journey is really being Mm -hmm. able to to make a difference on a systems level like that. And Mm -hmm. we've got some amazing. You know, projects across the board. We have, uh, of course, Katrin and her group are looking at preemies transitioning from the NICU into primary care. Another shout out to Dr. Kelly, who's going to be joining in that, and Dr. Schultz, uh, another NAPNAP member who is a PNP and NNP bridging that gap. And we have uh, some students who are working on implementing protocols in school systems uh, to respond to human trafficking and just all kinds of things, which is so super exciting. So Looking at those exciting things, we have arrived to the point of our last question, which is my favorite. We are asking every single guest on every single episode, if you could put anything, and I mean anything, in a time capsule for Nap Nap to open 50 years from now, what would it be? Now, I know your hearts are all beating fast. Who am I going to ask first? And Melissa, you're up. I got to go to the spreadsheet queen. (laughs)
2: <laughs> what would you put
0: in the in the in the capsule the time capsule yeah. i joked about this with
2: uh Caitlin earlier but could we put like an n95 in there in case the supply chain fails again but uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, i think touché, i should i think i would put my clinical notebook in there just uh, i think it would be fun to open in 50 years and see what i was jotting down what i thought was worth writing down and also how things have changed in terms of the way we practice and what the best knowledge is So I would toss my little blue notebook that i take to clinicals with me into there.
0: Uh, You know, I love both of those. Let me tell you, from someone who the first day in clinic for me after the COVID-19 pandemic started where I was sharing, sharing an N95, sharing one with my colleague (laughs) who her husband had brought out of their garage. Like, this is how desperate it was. So I'm all about put the 95 in there. And I also love the thought of your clinical notebook. See, now you'll be like me. Uh, I, my oldest, my second daughter actually has just gotten accepted into nursing school. And I started watching the old TV show ER with her. Oh, let me tell you, way to make you feel old. You look at it and you think, oh, that is how we used to do things. <laughs> and times have changed. Well, Katrin, what would you put in our time capsule?
1: Yeah, Melissa and I were joking about this before we hopped on, and I think I would add some hand sanitizer um, to the N95 with the supply chain stuff that we've seen go on during this time. Love it. Um, And then I think I might also, I'm currently pregnant, so I might add an ultrasound picture and my journal that I've been keeping during this time through school and pregnancy. Um, It's been kind of challenging, so just looking back on
0: that would be neat to see. Oh my gosh. Okay. Everybody just did a collective. Oh my goodness. That's so precious. (laughs) I mean, you really are invested in the future of our profession, Katrin. That's way to go the extra mile. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Allison, take us home. What would you put in (laughs) our nap nap time capsule?
3: Well, I, I went symbolic much like the other two ladies did. And it's funny that we all focused because our schooling has been surrounded with this covid-19 pandemic stuff but i said a pediatric <laughs> a pediatric uh, covid-19 vaccine in a syringe i just think that that marks the times and in 50 years we look back and see where we've gone from there but the importance of it and how much we've you know stressed about this and prayed about this and all that so here we are that I would do a COVID-19 syringe. (laughs) That's
0: so good. This is going to be the best, most epic time capsule ever. I'm telling you. And it takes me back to the beginning of my nursing career when I had, I gave oral polio drops. I Mm -hmm. wish so much. I had one of those little containers, you know, that Mm -hmm. I squeezed Mm -hmm. dozens of those every single day. I don't have it. That's a great idea. I love it. Well, I just want to thank each and every one of you so much for number one, deciding to step into this profession as pediatric nurse practitioners. I mean, just Welcome, and thank you, and we are so glad you're here. And number two, thank you so much for giving us your time as busy students and busy new academicians, Allison. Thank you so much <laughs> for, for spending your time and, and sharing your perspective and expertise with our listeners on Team Pete's Talks.
3: Thank right, you. For thank having-
0: you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Team Pete's Talks, 50 forward forward. Forging Our Future, brought to you by the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners. If you like this series, be sure to look for other episodes and explore our other series on pediatric health and advanced practice nursing. Visit napnap.org and click on the Team Peds Talks menu item under the Continuing Education tab. The conversations are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Search Team Pete's Talks on your app, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Anchor.fm. Please join us again next time, and thank you for listening.